Recorded live from Who Cares You've Never Been There, it's Transformation Thursday. I'm Penny Sterling, and my pronouns are she, her. And I'm Penny Stevens, and my pronouns are she, her. On this week's show, we'll be talking with a lawyer. Wait, 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 Amy, 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 you got your name wrong. You said Penny Stevens? Yeah, because I don't want to feel left out. Oh, oh, because this week we're talking to another Penny, Penny Gold, about her fascinating fight for authenticity, leaving her sheltered Jewish upbringing and fighting for her right to be educated, eventually becoming a lawyer and translator. And also becoming Penny herself as she discovered her gender identity. So I thought I would be a Penny too. Well, when you put it that way, it makes sense. (laughs) Get it? Sense? Because we're all pennies? Okay, so that joke changed my mind. I'm going to stick with Amy, and we'll be right back to put our two cents in right after the traditional music swell and fade out. Let's talk about change, Amy. Okay, let me see. It looks like I've got three quarters, a nickel, a Canadian loonie, and a few British tenors from when I was in London, because I'm an international comedian. No, not that change. Change is in transformation. The topic of Transformation Thursday. Oh, yeah, that. Well, we're doing this podcast to highlight how much things change and how quickly they do it in society today. Everything changes, and change isn't good or bad. It just is. The more we realize that change is just the natural progression of things, the better off we'll be. Now, let's talk about change. Didn't we just do that? No, no, not the last one. The first one. The coins. Money. About how people can give us some of theirs so that we can continue talking about ours. Are you just trying to get people to go to our Patreon page to support this podcast so that we can continue our exploration of what it means to live in a rapidly changing world? Because although this is a labor of love, we do have expenses, and by going to TransformationThursday.com, they can help ensure that we can continue to be bringing this fun and insightful commentary on the world today, plus get exclusive patrons-only content. Um, if I say yes, can we get on to our next segment? Oh, God, I hope so. Okay, then. TransformationThursday.com. Also, can you break a 20 for me? Sure. I can get that to you in euros. Okay, now you're just showing off. Okay, so um, I'll talk us in here. Ready? Are you ready, Amy? Sure, why not? All right, here we go. In three, two. Welcome, welcome back. back. Oh, I'm sorry. I thought I, thought I was were... bringing myself I back. I thought in. I was doing. Okay, no, you I go ahead. Doing. You better leave this in. Welcome back to Transformation Thursday. I am Amy Stevens. My pronouns are still she, her. And I'm Penny Sterling, and my pronouns are she, her. And for the first time, Amy, you are outnumbered by pennies. That is quite a predicament to be in. That is some bad math, and I am the odd penny out. You are the uh, you are the non-penny out. Penny Gold is a friend of ours. Uh, she's coming in from Brooklyn, New York. Uh, she is a lawyer, an interpreter, uh, a translator, and a, a non-binary trans woman. Uh, and I brought her on because, Amy, you both have some, some things in common. Uh, you both come from relatively restrictive or sometimes very restrictive religious backgrounds and have left that you're both transgender women. And so I thought, Hey, let's get these two crazy kids together. Um, But but just like anything in life though, really, even with those similarities, our perspectives are totally different in the way we um, go about our lives. But also one of the things that you said in there was non-binary trans woman and 
that's something we really haven't addressed too much on our show because we've always approached being transgender from a very binary perspective. I think in regards to ourselves, I mean, we had Laura on early on um, and they are definitely in, the, I would put them in that non-binary category well, but uh, so I think it'll be interesting to go dive deep into this conversation and, and speak with the other Penny about this. Oh, there is another Penny here. <laughs> that would be you, Penny. Yes. We're oh, talking hi. About you. Hello. How are you tonight? I'm okay. I'm better since I'm seeing your beautiful faces. Uh, my oh, name is Penny Gold, you. and my pronouns are she or they. Oh, they. See, I messed it up. That's okay. We always mess things up. So you are from Brooklyn, New York. You you identify as an OTD. OTD. Uh, which is that, yeah, that puts us in a whole other category. We can talk <laughs> about it. It's a whole new conversation. I am an OTD person. You're also you're also for, a pastafarian, I understand. I'm also a, I'm an ordained minister. I'm an ordained minister of the Church of the Flying Spaghetti Monster. Yeah, wow, nice. that's that's great. May 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 he touch you? May, may he bring his noodly appendage down and touch you? I don't. I, I don't know how the blessings by its, by its noodly appendages, by and its, may you also be touched by its noodly appendages. Ramen. Yeah, those are wonderful ramen, <laughs> exactly. Which I think gives us a pretty good idea of where you stand vis-a-vis. Uh, the way you grew up. I, one of the things first times I I was. Uh, aware of you, Penny, was on Twitter uh, when you were having uh, a fairly protracted disagreement with a bunch of people about education uh, in, uh, in, in uh, is it yeshivas or yeshivas? The, uh, yeshivas, yes. Yeshivas. And, and, and you, were, you, were, you were very adamant that this was not even an education. And you are speaking, I believe, from history, aren't you? You, you grew up I in am. One? So, so, so this is one of the issues I actually am very active on and on social media. I have been in the past uh, um, also like protests and such. I'm supporting, there's an organization that I support uh, of, of my friends who, of people who also grew up in the similar background, grew up in the uh, yeshiva education system, you know, we put education in, in quotes because, I mean, we were educated mostly 99% of the time was religious, religious subjects, not history, not geography, barely any math. Um, I personally got got a, a math up to arithmetic, only through arithmetic and barely through um, a, a division, like no nothing beyond that. No algebra, no trigonometry, forget about anything, no calculus, no anything that even like the concept, like the fact that those things exist wasn't even a thing. The only, I only, for me, math, math it was equal to, to, to arithmetic, period. Mm. Um, no other, no science, no biology, no chemistry, no physics, no electricity, no, no engineering, no subjects, no physical science subjects, no social science subjects, no political science. Um, um, I can go on and on, but wasn't taught. It was only taught, majority was, for me, I, was, I grew up in Israel, so it was only Hebrew, a little bit of Hebrew grammar, and a little bit of, of math and, and until the age of 13. After that, zero of that, only religious stuff. I, I know that you guys have questions. Yeah, that's a, there's a lot of questions there because you, you, so you grew up in Israel and then at 13 and then, you know, you're in Brooklyn now, when and where did, how did that transition from Israel to Brooklyn and your background? So I was born, so, so, so sure. I was born in Brooklyn um, okay. 33 and a half years ago and when I was, I was the third child. <laughs> I'm 33 and a half years old. I'm just trying to figure out the year. <laughs> 1987. It's in my, it's in my, it's in most of my, uh, um, uh, 
handles, not my social media handles. So I was born a third child of, of third child at a time. I was just the youngest when I was born. Um, my both parents, both my parents are Brooklyn born and raised humans. And they also, they both ultra Orthodox religious Jews. When I four months after I was born, summer of, of 1987, um, my parents decided to move with me and my two older brothers. So that's, they had three children. I was the third and they moved to Jerusalem and where between then and now my mother had nine more children. Wow. So I have nine? a total of 11 siblings. That's, that's a lot. That it, is, it, it's all relative because I had classmates who had 16 siblings. Wow. So it's all, you know, <laughs> a lot to me, that's like just, just the, the only number of siblings. I've, I mean, not that I've ever known, but I've known since my youngest sibling was born. <laughs> Does, does that number of children in your ultra-Orthodox communities also play into the religious ideas of the community? Well, the simple, ver so, so the, fir the literal first uh, commandment in, in, the, in the Bible, in the Old Testament specifically, is thou shalt be fruitful and multiply. I'm sure you're familiar with that. So that, that's a big, uh, you know, major, you know, factor. The fact that the uh, um, birth control are, are, are prohibited by most Tanakh and the Holy Scripture. Yeah, you have that book, you're holding the book. So um, in the community I grew up, the most forms of birth control were prohibited. So what do you do when you marry young, where there is a lot of pressure to marry young, and by young, I'm referring even to, to later teens. Um, um, I'm not saying 25. My father got married at 24, and he was like relatively uh, um, too late, too, too old to get married. Hmm. A couple of my siblings have married in the later 20s, but some of them are in younger 20s. Um, but most people in my community, in the community I grew up, I had classmates who 17 got engaged. Like it's not like, and so when you're so young and you don't have birth control and you have this commandment, the result is, you know, an average of 10 children. Yeah, that's not, that. that's also something that, that you see a lot in uh, some of the more um, conservative Christian uh, mm -hmm. Uh, the the uh, evangelicals the the quiverful movement where they uh they want to make sure that they have they consider uh, just whether they, they consider their children to be arrows of christ to go out in the world and so they they're not really uh having families they're 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 building weapons um and so that that's something that i find interesting i don't do I, is that similar in 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 uh your uh your it was you, you. You sent me. You you sent it along to what uh, that you are. You are uh, uh, Litfisk. Is that what Litfisk. you said? Litfisk. So Lithuanian. So within. So so let's so let's break this down terminology. So the sometimes people you think that ultra orthodox is, is a derogatory term, and I'm I'm being more conscious of it. And there are different terms to replace it. But the only reason I use it is to differentiate between modern orthodox Jew, Jewish and ultra orthodox Jewish. So you have within Judaism you have different movements. So earlier, I don't know if this is going to be, earlier somebody mentioned Reform Judaism. So there is a, a part of Judaism that, that, that capital R Reform, one could look it up, there's a whole bunch of things. They're, they're relatively the least, most lax uh, uh, um, sect of Judaism or movement in Judaism, if you will. And there's conservative, there's reconstructionist, there's renewal, there's all kinds of those things. And then you have Orthodox, that's one umbrella term. And they adhere to a certain, to a minimal set of rules. And then within ultra, within ultra orthodox, you have modern orthodox and ultra, ultra orthodox. Modern orthodox people, capital M, or modern capital O, orthodox, 
therefore they tend to be more they, they tend to have better education for their children they, they go to college but they still adhere to certain uh, um, list of religious uh, uh, um, practices. Then you have within ultra-Orthodox, you have two major distinctions between Litvish slash Lithuanian, and also known as Yeshivish, because you're studying Yeshivas and that's the focus of their part of religion. And then you have Hasidic ones. And within Hasidic ones, you have dozens, dozens, literally hundreds of sects, some of them larger, some of them smaller, larger, some of them smaller, some of them more have emphasis in different things. And then, there is one Hasidic in, in, um, sect that is also Lithuanian, but they don't call themselves Lithuanian, they call themselves Hasidic, and that's Lubavitch. And they are unique in their own way. But that's basically the distinctions. Some of the distinctions are just, just nominal, some of them are just like allegiance of like, you know, but also if you see an ultra-Orthodox person in the street, especially a man, their, their, out, their outfit, their uniform, denotes a lot of the, their outfit and their how they wear their side curls and, and and, 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 and the hat they wear, the type of jacket they wear, and type of other things they wear, make them, show them where they belong to wear. And there's also different, you know, you can see if they're married, if not, you can see their status within the community sometimes, depending on when, when, you, when you see them. So, yeah. Now, you've shown pictures and Twitter of yourself in groups of people, uh, and you are wearing those clothes. If, do they signal to, to, to Jewish people where you belong and who you belong? And how long did you do this? So, so actually, if, if you do look through, I mean, so my pinned tweet, tweet, tweet you'd notice, so, you, so I have four pictures of different points in my life. Um, a couple of them are with my, one of them is with my siblings. Um, several, one of them is with my, like, I don't know, first, cl first grade uh, classmates and, their, and our fathers. And so a couple of them are when I was a teenager. Um, so, Yes, so, so if you notice in one of the replies, you'll see that somebody actually said, oh, you, have to, you come from such a beautiful family. They were basically, they were recognizing that I come from a Jewish family. You could, you could see that a little bit. Um, how long I, I have I done it? Um, until approximately when I was 19 years old, mm -hmm. um, which is when I decided, I just finally had enough of it and I decided to go to work. Now, the thing is, I was in Israel and, 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 and ultra-Orthodox people working is not is not a common thing because because of the army because of the military there is a, 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 a draft in israel so every every citizen and resident permanent resident in, in uh, of israel at the age of 18 needs to join the military however there are some exceptions religious women if you're a woman and you say i i'm my religion I'm, you know because of my religion i don't want to join you get an exemption you get a actual full exemption if you if you right now for religious men, the 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 politicians have compromised have found like negotiated over the years that you get a deferral. So if you're still studying in a yeshiva, twice a year you have to go into the offices, sign a document saying I'm still a student, and defer for another half a year. And the idea is that those who actually study defer 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 until it's too late, and then they just move on with their lives. And I actually did that because I grew up as a boy, I was raised as a boy and I was a teenager and that's, so I deferred, deferred, deferred. So, but, but it's very uncommon. So if, a, if a, somebody who instead of studying goes to work, immediately they, ha they have to go to the army. Once you have to go to the army, it affects their, their environment, it affects their siblings, it affects their siblings' chances of getting good marriages. So people stay, get stuck in, in, in study institutions. They don't even study, but they know that they're there to save themselves from going to the army and literally waste their time there. Like not even like 
at least if you're going to study religious studies, which is which we can discuss about its own value separately, but like at least if you do that, and I found myself in that exact situation, I had classmates who were just doing nothing, chatting all day, not even learning anything productive religious-wise, practical-wise, and the only reason they stayed there was because they didn't want to be an embarrassment to their family. And I saw that as a waste of time, and I didn't want to do that. So I didn't know what to, how the outside world looks like. I didn't know anything. I just knew that I don't want to live this kind of life. And I wanted to explore, and I slowly uh, um, got, inched my way out of it. I, I got a cell phone, which was also prohibited. This is in, in the you know, mid-2000s, if you will, 2005, six, And um, 2006, I was finally kicked out. I, 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 I did things that, I, that would lead me to get kicked out intentionally. I got kicked out. I started working for a year. That was the year 2006, 2007. And then in May 2007, I, I, I say it as returned, but it was the first time as an adult, first time as a conscious human being that I came back to the United States at 20 years old. It's Literally okay. never, never been to a world outside of my religious community. And I slowly started, I basically became an immigrant in my own country. When, when you started working and separating from your community, did they try to pull you back? They did. They did. They tried their best. And, and I made it clear to them that, I, that I, that's not what I'm interested in. I remember having a conversation with my father when I was officially kicked out, which wasn't really kicked out because I, 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 worked, I, I played with it to, to, to leave instead of being kicked out. But my father was like, okay, we'll find you a study partner. You're going to have some kind of regular system. And I was like, I'm not asking you that I'm going to, if you're giving permission to work. I was 19 years old. I'm telling you, I'm going to work. And that's a statement. And looking back, I don't know how I, like, I'm, I'm amazed at myself that I was, that I had the guts to do it and that I was able to even say it. But in that, in that moment, that's exactly how I felt. And I felt comfortable enough to share that with them. Is that so, what off the drach, off the, off the drach. Off, off the derach means is that you to be off the path yes yes so so originally people used used to use that term to 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 basically shame people to be like oh you're such a loser like you you know instead of having there is the, there is the path like there is the path that all of us are meant to it's a good path and 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 you, those of you who were like you know kids at risk was you, you otd used to be even a, a synonymous with kids at risk and until one day we we're like yeah we're off your derach we're off your path we're all on our own path. And so many people in, in, in what I call the RTD community don't like that term because it basically denotes what we're off of. It, some people like to say FRI, F-R-E-I, there's a movement within that. And basically FRI, it's the, it's, the, it's, the, it's the Yiddish word for free, but also secular people. Like they, they are free from, from religion. And basically it's also a reclaimed term, if you will. So there's all kinds of terms. The bottom line is um, I'm, I'm on my own path. I actually have on my on my computer. You can't see it on my. Um, there's a sticker that says "On my own dara." That's wonderful. I was gonna say that is such a beautiful thought, Penny. Of like you are finding your own path, your own truth. And so, how did your path? You know, how did you make that decision to come to come to the United States? As you said, you returned here, but as a conscious adult, that was your first time. So I actually didn't choose. Like I, I didn't. I didn't think about it myself. A, a friend of mine who, who was at the time, um, like uh, married to an American citizen, and he was like trying to get his green card, and he kept going like twice a year to the United States. And he, you know, I was like, you know, working at a supermarket, and I'm like just, you know, putting, uh, uh, um, you know, groceries into people's bags and boxes, and and, and you know, just like, putting uh, items in shelves. 
And and this person's like chatting with me. He's like, hey, aren't you an American citizen? You were born in New York, right? And I'm like, yeah, sure. Why don't you, why are you staying here in this country? Why don't you just go there? And at the time, because I was already getting ready to, to go OTD to, to leave the religion, I was thinking of maybe joining the army and canceling my, my, my deferrals. So I started that process and I was like, you know what? I'll go to New York. I'll check it out for a month and two or two. Then I'll come back. I'll serve the army. And then I'll decide if I want to go back to New York or not. That was like my attitude because I was like oblivious to, to, to I, I didn't know the difference between Florida and California. I didn't know that like, I, I, like the two have F's and C's in there. I don't know. Florida doesn't even have a C, but it still sounded like it does. Like it's just, <laughs> they both have F's and L's, F and L's, but whatever, it doesn't matter. It was just like, I, I, had, I, 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 I was born in New York. I knew that I was related to there, but I never like had a anything. So I bought a two-way ticket, I, a round-trip ticket to, to, in, in, to New York and back. And I even got permission from the army that I can go. And then I got here, I stayed, after the first 10 months, I stayed with my grandparents in, in Borough Park in Brooklyn, which is a religious neighborhood. And, and I got, you know, to free rent, essentially, and I was able to, to get to know this is the, the community, the society. I, got, I learned English a little bit. I improved my English a lot. I barely spoke any English when I came here. And then I was like, why should I go back? So that's the answer. I, I didn't come to with the intention of staying. I didn't even realize I was going to stay. So I even left a whole bunch of stuff behind, and I don't know where it is now. You left, you left your family behind. How close at that point were you with your family? Uh, you were staying with your grandparents, but mm -hmm. your, your mother and your father and your 11 brothers and sisters? Mm-hmm. So close? yes, my, so, so, but, but when I left, I only had nine siblings. Okay. Actually, no, when I left, it was my, 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 my mother's 11th child was born. So my 10th sibling was born literally weeks before. And I wow. literally don't do like, practically don't know him. He only knows me from pictures and for the couple of times he saw me. Um, so I left that behind. I did have, I did try, I, so my relationship with my parents is one of the, it's like similar to like, oh, you're, you're trans. Oh, you're still, what's your relationship with your parents? It's also a common question that's asked of people who are OTD. I'm fine talking about it. It just, you know, it's the simple answer is that it's complicated. Um, I, I, I was in periods not talking to my parents. I, I, you know, avoided being, I haven't been in my parents' house for Passover since 2006. So the last holiday that I spent in, that I was in Israel was in Passover, and I'm, I still remember specifically my father was knocking on my door, and I pretended pretended to be dead, like pretended not to, like just sit there frozen for half an hour until he left, um, and I wasn't talking to him, and um, I barely. My mother called me from the hospital when she was when she had a baby, and I just responded, and I didn't speak to her. I I, I had I didn't speak to her. I, I I left my headphones in my in my ears, and I heard her speak. I just didn't feel like talking to her. I was in a very bad state. That was literally weeks before I returned to the States. And then over, over the past dozen years plus, um, if there were periods of time that I did not talk to one parent or the other, but I tried to keep a, a good relationship ever since I came out as trans, spoiler alert, I did. Um, I have not spoken to my father yet. I've spoken to my mom, who's also taking it, not taking it easily, but it is, I already got used to it. I already have like a, something to work with. I guess yeah, cause the, the the question that 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 is in my mind about all this stuff is which was harder for them the fact that you left the religion or the fact that you're transgender because those are both really as far as you know for 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 people that I know the the, the people who come from uh, very closed off religions that is really hard and you've done and and for people who come from most religious backgrounds 
admitting your queerness, your your gay, whether you're gay, lesbian, trans, or whatever, is oftentimes is like horrible. And you like double whammied these people. I mean, which one? Which one was the one that you feel like soured the relationship more? I mean, that's a very interesting question. I never. I, I mean, I always look look at them as parallels. Um, in their mind, I believe the the two are related. Like they think that you know, oh. I, I went to, you know, I stopped being religious and I got all these stupid ideas and, 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 and this crazy ideas and the radical ideas of, of and then now I'm, I'm all of a sudden pretend, their mind pretending to be a woman. Um, I, look, I was, my, my father somehow with all the difficulties I had to, you know, the communication with him over the past, or the previous, the preceding uh, um, decade, we were able to talk. At least now I don't feel, I, I mean, maybe not, maybe it's possible that the reason we don't talk is because you know, it's just too hurtful for both of us. I don't know. Um, so I have a feeling that, that, you know, being transgender is a little bit more because they could handle my not being religious. But even then, they, the thing is I learned from the, so the things, I, a lot of things I learned from the first, coming out of the first closet, if you will, um, was, you know, I could, I could prepare, I could expect my expectations and the way I look at it. There's a lot of lessons to, to, that I have learned and I'm still learning that are parallel between those two things. So sorry for not giving you a clear answer. No, I, you're giving me an honest answer. That's all that matters. No, and sometimes there isn't a clear answer. And, and, I, and I respect you for realizing that because you may have attempted to answer that question from your parents' perspective without the right information. So I think that that is spot on. I do, I do have an attempt of trying to understand the other side, uh, just as a human being, but also uh, as a grown adult. And also, to, also, I happen to be a lawyer. And one of the things I was trained as a lawyer was to try to understand the other side, because how else would you be able to argue against it if you don't understand the other side? Yep. No, and, I, I think, and, and yeah. in the context of, I think you, you, you too will appreciate this thought, in the context of transgender and being out, even as gay, trans, gay lesbian, and other types of queer identities, um, there is this, there is a, um, uh, so I got this from a very dear friend of mine whose name is um, Isaac Schoenfeld, who got it from, 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 some, from, a, from a, a out, out gay rabbi um, who makes this point. So as a general pattern, oftentimes it happens that trans people come out and as trans and say, hey, my name is so-and-so, you know, and, and many people are accepting. But sometimes you have people who take some weeks, months, even years to accept, and then eventually they do. And it's difficult and it sucks that we have to deal with people not accepting us for the first period of time after coming out. And one way of dealing with it is to realize that we ourselves took us months, weeks, weeks, months, or even years to accept ourselves as blank, as gay, as trans, as lesbian, as bi, and also as non-religious. And there is a parallel there. And then eventually when we do accept it in ourselves, it takes us time to even to even make peace with it and then eventually to actually come out. And then we shouldn't, it should, I mean, obviously it'd be awesome if everybody accepted us on the spot, but it's also important to understand from they're coming from, it took you so long to, you and the general you, it took you so long to accept yourself. How do you think it's gonna take them so easily to just accept you just like that? Mm -hmm. it sucks that we have to deal with this but you know if, if somebody knows you as, as their husband if somebody knows you as their wife somebody knows you as, as, as their son daughter it's, it's understandable it's not justifiable but it's understandable why it takes them a long time to accept it and to make peace with it and to process it are That's you pretty pretty deep go ahead amy no I, I agree that is pretty deep um my you know since you have come out of your religious you know that ultra-orthodox community and now you're living in New York, are you still 
practicing and are you still affiliated with any form of Judaism or is it just strictly the spaghetti monster right now? So, uh, so I, I, that's funny to say, so strictly the spaghetti monster. I, I, I refer to myself as a, as a, you know, I'm making off the joke off of the reformed Jews. I'm like a reformed, so I, I don't like strictly follow the, the tenets, even though the basic tenets are just, you know, be good and don't do bad things. But also, but also, like I don't do ceremony. I do have, I do have a copy of the of the Church of of the Bible of the Church of Flying Spaghetti Monster in my room. Um, I do have a certificate proving that I'm, and a card proving that I'm that I'm that I'm a minister. I, I still have to update the name on it, but you know that's a different conversation. Um, in terms of religion, theological perspective, I am an atheist. I, I also sometimes joke I'm part-time atheist, part-time pastafarian. Um, <laughs> But but I'm an atheist. I don't believe in in the, in the in the religious concept of God. I don't believe in the religious tenets. I do have um, friends and family who are still religious, and because I'm very very much familiar with the with the culture, I often you know wish them well for their for their for their coming holiday. Just now it was a New Year, even though in the Bible uh, um, now is the beginning of the seventh month. That's a different conversation um, in the Jewish calendar. Anyways, but so I and also because of my friends and they do uh, events that are surround the, the Jewish calendar, I often hang out with them and it, you know it was like oh I'm spending this holiday with my friends, sure but I don't see that celebrating that it just happens to be around the Jewish holiday. Well, I think that's part of being culturally aware and being supportive of your friends and I think there's nothing that's that's a beautiful thing that just says you're a wonderful person. Or, or that my friends are supporting of me and, and including me, and, and because I don't have anything better to do, I, I just go there. So, but sure, thank you for giving me credit. So, I want to turn this a little bit more towards the because uh, you, uh, relatively late, uh, in relatively recently, let's put it that way, uh, came out as transgender. It was after you got your 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 JD that you uh, admitted that you were to yourself that you were transgender. Uh, how much of that otherness do you think played into uh the the ease or the well yeah the ease that with which you separated from uh what is a very difficult group of people to separate from at all Wait, which but I basically i'm saying did you did you know okay short let, let me rephrase that did you know you were transgender back before you uh before you left the uh the the uh israel Israel. Yeah. Okay. Awesome. I love this. I love this question, especially because there's a recent new uh, on on so-called trans Twitter. There is a conversation now. People talking about, oh, you know, uh, when when was the first time you felt that you 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 were for trans women? When was the first time you felt like you were a girl? Oh, somebody says two years, three years, five years old, and and then there's people. Some of us who didn't feel that strong, and 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 one of the reasons I actually you know so I came out around thirty. I like finally you know. I got, to, I got to law school in 2017, which is when I took the bar exam, which is when I finally got the peace of mind to actually explore that. So I would say 30. Um, until for the, the, the decade before that, I heard stories about transgender people. I have, I ha I have friends that I, who are trans that I knew for, for, for many years before. But because the narrative was so often painted as, oh, I remember when I was a little girl, when I was a little child that I, I knew was a girl, and, and similar stories, and I didn't feel that way. I thought, oh, okay, that means I'm not really trans, TM. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, I cannot say specifically that I felt like a girl at a specific age. I do have strong memories as a teenager of wishing something very specific to happen to my body, and it came out of nowhere. 
it came from inside and didn't come from like ideas of the outside because I was so sheltered from, there was like, so I grew up in a very binary, binary system in not only gender, but gender was very clear, like the gender division. I was, I was in, in a boys only school. I wasn't allowed to, to speak to, to any female people except for my mother, sisters, and barely aunts, maybe grandmother. Like I was once slapped in the face for, for dancing with my first cousin who was a, who, who was a girl at the time. And by dancing, I'm not referring to like, you know, any like, you know, suggestive stuff. Like we were both holding each other's um, uh, um, shoulder, basically, kind of thing. Like we're just like for a few seconds singing something. I don't remember what it was. And on the spot, my father called me to the other room and slapped me on my face. That's, that's like, that's, that's like, that's both, it's a mixture of, of, of gender binarism and, and religious strictness, if you will. Um, I, I do remember there was a point in time that I, for, 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 for Purim, the Jewish uh, um, costume wearing holiday, I wore a girl's, they, my parents gave me permission to wear a girl's um, uh, um, tights. I have a picture of it. My father once proved it to show that I was a happy kid because I was smiling in that picture. And I'm like, oh, interesting, interesting observation. Um, I, I do, I had, I have all kinds of other stories. I also, all, all, because so the strict coat is also strict uh, haircut. Every two months, my, my father would uh, um, cut, cut my hair very short. And I, there was a period in time for, for, I don't know if it was a couple of years, I don't know how long, how long it lasted, that I fought those, like I kept insisting, I don't want a haircut, I don't want a haircut. You want to have long hair like a girl? I, wa I don't want a haircut, I don't want a haircut. And I was made fun of, and I was, you know, my neighbors, my parents, and I was always just, I had no choice because I, there's no way for me out. The most I could, the most time I could buy for myself was another week. And that's not, that doesn't give you long hair. And then as soon as I left the community, as soon as I came back to the United States, I just let my hair grow. I didn't like care to have long hair. I just didn't, didn't like to have a haircut. And then I, when I did see my hair grow long, I just let it be. So in 2007, so then I just let my hair grow, but I wasn't so sure about it. 2010, I went to my brother's wedding in Israel. I cut my hair just for that, for, he, for, the, for, for that. But I was just for the, to be with my family. Otherwise, they wouldn't let me come to my brother's wedding. And then from 2010, 2016, I just let my hair grow. And I had long hair. I was a dude with long hair, if you will. And my brother was, get, was about to get married in 2016. And he specifically told me, you're not invited to my wedding unless you cut your hair again. And at that time, I couldn't do it anymore. It was like, I felt so strongly related to my long hair attached to my long hair that I couldn't. And we had a long back and forth until at last minute I decided to cut my hair and I felt miserable. And, but, but, I, but it made me think to myself, I know why they care about my long hair because the image is very important for them in their community. But why is it important for me to have long hair? Why do I care? And I started thinking about all kinds of stuff that happened to my childhood and I started putting one and one together and I was like, there's a picture coming here and I'm observing a pattern. So I decided to explore it and here we are. Wow, that's, that's, that's really a fascinating. Yeah, I know that it, to me, when I've talked to, uh, to trans people, it's usually either they've always known or they, you know, or, or they should have known, you know, it's like, okay, looking back, you know, I can, I can see where all these things were. Like for me, I was eight years old when I figured it out. But even before that, as I, I look back, you know, the, these things like uh, I would go over and play with my, uh, my next door neighbor when we played GI Joes. And like one time there was a Barbie doll on the, on the front porch, uh, his, his sister's and I grabbed it and I took it home and I took the clothes off, the dress off, and I tried to put it on my, I ruined the dress 
which I think was prophetic because it's kind of what I did with a lot of my mom's stuff too. Um, but yeah, that should have been something that I would have, that I would have seen. Uh, there I, I, saw that, I saw that on your Twitter today. Oh yeah, that's right. I did write that on the Twitter. Yeah, there, there's a whole bunch of stuff like that. I got into trouble one time for Halloween because my back when my my dad, this was like 19, probably 67 or 66, uh, back when you know the Sears and Roebuck cam, cal, catalog was Amazon, and you know they were we were paging through the Halloween costumes, and I saw this girl in this like I, I called it a Supremes costume. It had the it had the, uh, the 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 lacy the 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 toll top and the tight a line skirt and I was all sparkly and had the the gloves and even had the beehive hairdo and as soon as I saw that I tapped it and I said I want that and my dad was like you want which now and a way they let me knew know that there was like a right and a wrong answer to this so I just touched the one that was closest to it that was acceptable and that's why I went trick or treating as um, Top Cat that year, which nobody knows who Top Cat was, but uh, yeah, that's, I, I do reckon. But it's like, oh yeah, looking back, I can see it was just n the idea, the concept was just so foreign to me that I, I, I could not, I could not even, um, couldn't even grasp it for the for a long time. Mm -hmm. You know, so that was that was with me. I mean, so, for me, the, the the nail the nail that broke the egg, if you will, I'm I'm, I'm mixing the two different metaphors, if you will, was the the, the nail that cracked the egg, if you most specifically, was basically my realization that it's not gonna go away. Like my my desire to essentially my desire to to be a woman, my desire to 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 be feminine, my desire to any of those things, well, not because I kept pushing it away. I was like, oh, it's not really me. Let's just let forget about it. And then I and I did get stuck in, you know, I was because I had to catch up with all my education. So I have, I got my GED, I got my bachelor's, I got my associate's degree, I got my bachelor's degree, I got my JD degree, and it takes a lot of effort and energy catching up with society, catching up with education, catching up with some semblance of like some of you know all the years that I've lost. I feel like I've lost and. I can't, I can't go back, but I need to catch up and I need to, and it's, it's stressful. I also need to support myself. I don't have like my parents who can just let me stay in their house while I, while I rent free, while I go to college, I have to save for myself. I have to, you know, I have to, all my expenses on my own. And it's, it's stressful. Law school especially was very stressful. And the bar exam study was a good capstone for that. And then once I was done, I was like, holy shit, now I have the time to, to actually take care of myself. And I was like, okay, now is the time. If there's ever a time, now is the time to decide if it's if it's real. If 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 my desires to be a woman are real, I'll I'll do something about it. If it turns out that it's that I'm just cis, I'll know I'll know that I explored it. I know that I that I that I've done it, and 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 and, and it's gonna be easy for me to push it away in the future. So, I step. So I, I it's a question you didn't ask, but I did step by I did small steps without knowing. Just like I did when I came to the United States, I didn't know what the next step is going to be. I just did something and then I figured out from there and then I did small things and then before I knew it I'm, I'm I don't know two and a half years on hormone already so 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 Penny that that's that's a you know it is step by step so you know if you're comfortable and you can and you can decline to answer always but you know are what were some of the things you did to explore what are some of those steps that got you here we just did an episode where i walked through my steps pretty detailed but mm -hmm. I, would, I would love to hear if you don't mind sharing maybe a few of yours sure so so um 
before you do, I'm, I'm gonna just gonna use another, uh, I'm gonna get to it in a second. Um, yeah, sometimes I, I'm a smart ass sometimes. I identify as a smart ass. Oh, welcome to the club. Oh, wise ass. Wise and welcome to the club, thank you. But oftentimes people would, you know, I would walk in the street and somebody would say, where are you going? And then I would point to the, the, literally where my next step is going to be. And I'm walking to here and to here and to here and to here. Basically saying, look, I don't know, maybe in five minutes, you're gonna tell me that there is something exciting happening I was planning to go to point A, and you're going to tell me something exciting happening in point B, and I'm going to go somewhere. I don't know where I'm going, but I do know that the, my next step is here, and my next step is here. And in a way, in a, metaphorically, it's actually true from many parts of my life. When I took the GED, I didn't know what college was. Literally, I didn't know what majors are. I didn't know what biology is. I didn't know what science is. I just knew that this is the next step I need to do. Then I went to community college, and I went to... to, to to undergrad and then even th through each of those steps the way i took it was like i'm going to take one uh, uh one quiz one test one reading one you know one at a time throughout law school as well so you're asking what my steps were so it's difficult to point to all of them because i used to have long hair so i let my hair grow again um when i was still the thing is i was also colorful before and i, I was i had some style before i you can see some of it on my social media um i my, i've been painting my nails for years even as a as a as a guy. I was like non-conforming in my own way. Throughout law school, like it was most of my time in law school, I had a nail polish in my fingers, on my fingernails. Um, so when I was ready to 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 do that, um, I think I so I there was a point in time that I ripped off a lot of my uh, body hair. That was a big one. Um, and then I decided to shave it, and then I uh, um, and I was ready. I started um, actually laser removing the hair from most of my body. Um, I started I had a pair of under of, of Victoria's Secrets underwear I think it's okay to talk about it because we're human sure. um, so I used that and that was a, a little thing um, what did I try next I don't remember exactly what I tried next eventually I started buying more software clothing um, I try also so, so I started experiment so in Hebrew Hebrew is a, is a gendered language I started um, referring to myself in, 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 in feminine form in Hebrew instead of you know, masculine form I, when I spoke to, to some friends in Hebrew that I felt comfortable, there was one specific friend I felt more comfortable, so I spoke about it more. Um, I don't remember all the steps even, but the clothing slowly, eventually I tried on this, tried on that. Um, form, breast forms uh, at some point, just to see how it feels. Um, I lost track already. I don't know, somebody helped me with makeup at some point. I also, there was a point in time that I wore a lot of onesies. Um, that was like my, you know, basically starting from scratch, basically like, okay, let's zero, let's go back to what my first outfit used to be. And I still have a bunch of onesies for the winter, but it's just, it was like my, my, okay, I'll be a baby now. Let's just, let's see where I'm going to go from there. Um, but yeah, it was also, it also because like, I, go ahead. No, so it sounds like you had, you, it sounds to me, the thing that, that, that I'm taking away with this is you had fun exploring who you were. You came to it like tabula rasa. I have no idea who I am. I grew up in something that was wrong for me in every conceivable way. So, okay, I'm taking, I'm taking all the stops off and I'm just going to figure it out for myself and see which way, like, you know, you're, you're water and you're on a flat surface and eventually the pattern comes through and all of a sudden you have a stream. That's what it sounds like. And it sounds like it's a lot of fun for you to do this entire thing. In, in in a simplified way, yes. Except that that you know, there, it, it, it's it's you know you, you said tabula rasa. I mean, like you know, it's a clear table, right? A clear slate. Except that the slate isn't clear. You just put a lot of white out on it, and and a lot of you know erased pencil, and and and, and you still you, you know you're trying to make it to 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 mimic 
a clear slate. And you have to be mindful that it's not fully a clear slate. And I also had setbacks and I also had like things that I was like, mm, that's not, I don't, you know, I'm not into makeup. So maybe that means I'm not a real woman, you know, you know? Um, another step I just remembered was like, I was like challenging myself. Oh, really? You really think you're going to do this? Do you think you'll be able to sit down during, during, during going to the bathroom? And when I did, I was like, holy fuck, I'm going to do it regardless of the results. <laughs> so, so, so Penny, yes. so you mentioned in there not being a real woman because you don't like, because of what makeup wasn't a thing for you. So let I mean, so Penny and I both identify as, as I specifically, I'll talk about me and not, not Penny Sterling here. I specifically identify as a woman who happens to be transgender. That's my mm -hmm. gender identity. And within that, I'm a binary trans woman. So when I'm out in the world, I want, I want people to perceive me as a woman. I want to be addressed as she, her, hers. And then on top of that, I also over, you know, depending on the person, and this is me being very open. I've talked about this on our podcast, but I'm also sexuality wise, I'm a lesbian. And so there's, there's a lot of intersection, intersectionality going on there that most people don't realize. So, but you're talking a lot, you know, you mentioned trans makeup, not being a real woman. There's, there's some gatekeeping that's going on in your head there too. So how do you work through that? And, you know, and if you want to share with us, you know, how you identify fully, you know, I think we've already mentioned, I got so many thoughts running through my head. I can't keep them all straight, but I mean, that you can't keep it straight because you're a lesbian, right? <laughs> oh, just, I get oh, it. Oh, stereotype. I love Don't it. You... Wait, what? What's no, stereotype? No. I'm just using language. <laughs> Never mind. Sorry. No, no, it's not. No, I mean, because it's... you're queer. You're just like, oh, sorry. I'm just you're like, queer. I'm swimming all over the place. Sorry, Penny. Oh, it's okay. We're good. I'm just really so, enjoying having you, Penny, not be me. When you keep on saying Penny, I think, oh, she's talking to me and she's not. So it's really kind of Well, do you me. want me to say Penny? <laughs> no. Well, it's, it's nice when you do, but, you know. <laughs> I also think it's pretty interesting. We're both like, kind of like at this fan, financial thing. You're Penny Gold, and I'm Penny Sterling. Like oh, so Sterling by the way, did you see this? Did you see this? So I have a gold-plated penny as my Ooh, necklace. Ooh, nice. And, and, and just like my, so, so this penny was, was born in 1987, just like the year I was minted. Yeah, I understand. You, you were minted, the penny was born. Exactly. So it's gold plated, um, nice. and it's if you if you can see close, I don't think you can see it through the mirror, the the yeah. camera, but it's from 1987. Nice. That's what I wear most of the time. Everybody's got and, and Amy's got a got an A A necklace for Amy. And Do you have a a, 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 a a sterling coated penny? I don't have a sterling silver coated penny. No, I never. You need to. You need to I find never one. even thought about that. You know. So you're welcome. Be, uh, okay, maybe I will. So, all right. So, uh, another thing that I really want to talk to you about is that. Well, like, I want to answer Amy's question first. Okay, answer Amy's but, question. Unless you, unless, unless your question no, 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 relates no, 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 to no, it. No, 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 no. Answer, answer away. So, <clears throat> so you were, okay. So, obviously, I was, be, I was being half facetious, but also talking in point in time when I was referring to, to makeup and women. Obviously, uh, um, makeup does not a, a woman, a woman uh, let me say it again. Makeup does not a woman make, right? Like, to borrow another phrase. Um, obviously, that's like that's not even a given. But 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 when I was in that mindset and I was like trying to explore that, I was like, you know, every woman seems to every because of course all of them because only the ones who are noticeable um, seems to be doing that and know what to do. And I just don't know what to do. So maybe that's not for me. But it's that, that was just like I'm using it as an example of a, of a, of a, this of a, of a challenge I had processing all of that. But it's but it's also um, yeah it's emblematic of other situations. But um, I want to answer a different question. I got confused already. 
with the question, Amy, you asked a very complicated question about yeah about um, being you know you know makeup non-binary all that stuff thrown yes. in there. So 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 get, you said a lot of gatekeeping. So you're right. That's unfortunately a reality of of I believe most transgender people that the the majority of gatekeeping is happening inside rather than the outside. Of course, there's you know gatekeeping in in the medical world. There's gatekeeping in the in the mental in the academic world and all that kind of stuff. But oftentimes it's a vicious cycle that goes from internalized transphobia, if you will, or version of, of internalized transphobia that basically tells us, oh, you're not really trans because that, 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 and then other people use it, oh, you're not really trans because you didn't feel like, like that before you were five years old. Um, so the thing is, so, so, so you said that you, you, you feel like a woman and you feel yourself in, like, you know, in, 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 as a binary woman, you say. Yep. Um, I, I acknowledge that thing exists. I acknowledge that the world, that the, you know, the mainstream world exists in, in uses the term, you know, terminology as a binary. And so the following is academic if you're given permission and if you believe what I'm saying is wrong, I'll be happy to be corrected. But so that's my, the following is my view of, of how I see gender and how I see the world. So I, I recently, I, I don't know, recently, a year ago maybe, it was a while ago, some, uh, another non-binary transgender woman posted like that whenever I see binary trans woman, it sounds like, you know, some kind of computer version of a, of a transgender woman, like you're a binary, right? And, you know. So the thing is that when you look at the world from, when you look at gender from a, as a spectrum, it's more difficult to understand the terminology of like binary woman. You, what you are saying is that you see yourself as, as belonging to the, to the world of binary gender where there's men and women and you belong to the category of women, which I 100% accept and you're a woman 100%, there's no question about it. But when you, when I see, when I look at the, or the world of gender, and that was also part of the things I was exploring, and I was reading um, um, one of Kate Bornstein's book, um, my new gender workbook, and that also helped me. And I would encourage other people who are questioning their gender to read it and go through the, the, the exercises in there. I see the world as, at least, as gender, at least as a spectrum, even as a, as a plane. So, mm -hmm. Yes, there is like, so obviously because societal norms play into it by definition. So you, when you have different stereotypes and you say, you know, the blue corner is here, the pink corner is there and the purple corner is in the middle. The purple, you know, it's not a corners, but it's like, you know, areas. And then you can travel from, from any given point in here, any given point in there. And that, so I see myself on the other half, on the, on the, on the, pink, on the pink slash purple side, if you will. I'm using terminology to simplify it and make sense out of it but I'm definitely not in the other end and I'm definitely don't fit many things that are there both, both uh, um, societal wise and also body wise. And it's just my way of dealing with myself and making sense of myself in the world. So in that world, I am a woman and I, I don't fit the binary and I'm something else other than, than, than the two extremes, but I'm closer to being a woman. So therefore I'm saying I'm a woman and it feels much more comfortable and convenient and natural for me to be does that i hope that makes sense it does make sense and and i and i agree with it in you know your experience is is perfectly valid and penny sterling and i talk all the time on this show that there's no one way to be trans and so the way i identify the way penny sterling identifies the way you identify penny is unique unto ourselves and yet even though i'm probably I want to see myself in that pink area. I had to transverse from the blue area all the way through the purple to get over to where I wanted to be. And, and some people 
ebb and flow on that throughout their entire life. And that is your life, your journey. And I'm going to love and respect you for that regardless. Mm -hmm. So there's mm -hmm. no wrong answer here. It's just, there's no one way to live a life and you're living yours as beautifully as you can. Yes, yeah. I agree. Thank you. So what's next for you, Penny Gold? What are you, what are you working on right now? You're, how's, how's life in, in Brooklyn uh, in, the, uh, in the COVID era? Are you doing all so right? life in Brooklyn? So I've been in Brooklyn during COVID only for two months, even though today is September what end of September 2020. Yeah. So I spent uh, the first four months of, of this pandemic in a different country. Yeah. Um, yeah for a medical procedure, right? I went to to Thailand, yes, and um, I was there for four months. Like, I, I I left New York City literally right before it, the shutdown started mid in mid March. Basically, um, March 15 was my flight, except that it was after midnight, but it was still essentially March 15. It was my last day in in New York City, last weekend that anything was open, before before everything started shutting down. And then um, I went to Thailand to, because you know there's a lot of medical tourism going on there, and um, because we have an amazing sarcastic saying uh, um, healthcare system in the United States and my situation was that going to Thailand was the right idea for me to go. So um, I went to Thailand and um, COVID became a, became a, a prominent thing in the United States. Um, my procedure got delayed by a couple of weeks because I, they wanted to make sure that I, I didn't come with COVID uh, from New York. Thankfully, I didn't. Um, and then, so my original plan was to be in, in Thailand for six weeks from mid-March to end of April. And then I became because of between the, the delay in my procedure and you know the extra time that I had and, and the shutdown in New York City, I had no reason to come back. I decided to stay for longer, so I stayed there for a total of four months. Now that was four. your choice to stay there, correct? Ninety. I mean, to the extent one has a choice to begin with, right? You know, choice is a, is a, is an illusion. I'm being uh, um, you know silly a little bit, facetious a little bit. Um, it was my choice to, to stay, yes. I, I, if I really wanted, if I had, if, if something really serious, if I had very strong reason to come back, I would have come back even before I was fully healed, if you will. I, I could have had like the, <clears throat> the financial option. The, the, there were flights, there weren't as many flights as there were um, um, before COVID, but one second. But there were many, enough flights that connect. There was, there was no direct flights from the United States to, to Thailand, as far as I'm aware. If you wanted to come back, you could. I, if I wanted, I could within a few days. I could I could find a flight. Yes. But you didn't. You stayed there. I chose to stay because I wanted to make sure that I, you know, it's it's I, uh, my recovery is comfortable, and 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 in my specific circumstance, that was the right thing for me. You know, I, I chose to stay there. Yes. I mean, I was stuck in a sense that you know, the whole world just became immobile. It was immobilized and. And, and, you know, people stayed put and that was the best idea. So I did do that. So, and I, did, I waited until New York was a lot better situation, which was July. You were in Thailand. What was the uh, pandemic like in, in Thailand, at least the part where you were at? So I was in Bangkok, the, the, the capital city of, of Thailand. And it's actually, I don't know where, the, I'm not sure where the, the name Bangkok comes from, but the locals don't call it Bangkok. They, Bangkok, they call it uh, um, Krung Tep. Um, which means the city of angels. So it's basically Los Angeles. Uh, <laughs> um, so I was in Bangkok. Um, so when I came there, so, I, so I'm telling you how I perceived it. I'm, it's not exactly accurate, but close enough to whatever the news was. Um, the Thailand is in, is in East Asia, Southeast Asia. Um, they're closer to China than the United States is. Um, I mean, except for Alaska, maybe, I don't know. Anyways, but, but uh, the point is that they, they, were, they were also exposed to, to other uh, previous uh, um, 
um, pandemics. So there, I guess there was more culture of, 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 of masks. The, I, I do, as far as I'm concerned, as far as I remember, um, the, the pandemic started hitting um, um, Thailand in, in sometime in February and they already started taking some precautions. By the time I got there, um, I, I, almost everybody was wearing masks. They were checking temperatures in so many places. I don't know if everywhere, but in so many places, including um, um, supermarkets, uh, the condom building that I was at, let alone um, um, airports. Um, uh, they, they, they open doors for people, you know, like banks and whatever. And I don't think it's because for courtesy, but mostly people still don't, people don't touch. Um, another thing about Thailand is that I'm just, I'm telling you other things first, but whatever. They, in, the cult, in, Thailand, in Thai culture, it's less common to shake hands and to hug people as it is in many parts in the Western world. Instead, people greet people with the Y, W-A-I, which is basically similar to what people perceive as namaste in the United States. Um, but it's basically this, and there's different versions of it. So people would greet each other like that. And then just so just where you you know you you're holding up your hands together yes and putting them in your face you're not not close to your face and bowing at the same time yes. just to add yes. some sure that's what i was saying but people perceive this as to be like namaste yeah, yeah. but that so, but in, in thailand it's called a y w a i anyways so as last i checked which was a, a while ago and i had i have no reason to believe that it changed in the whole season like not only the past week not only the past month ever since you know january 1st 2020 only 58 people reportedly died from COVID in Thailand, a country with about 70 million people, which is like three and a half times that of New York State. Um, I mean, I don't remember the exact number of, of reported cases, maybe like in the 3,000 range for the whole country. Um, and I do believe that that many of the uh, between between the the hot climate, you know, it's a tropical country, tropical climate, between that and and the the the, the precautions I listed above. Um, for a big period of time that I was there, there was a, a curfew. Um, you cannot be outside between 10 p.m. and 4 a.m. That, you know, uh, prevented people from gathering in evenings. There was a ban on sale of alcohol for several months, literally, like even in the supermarket. The, the alcohol section was just huge signs. We don't sell alcohol because of COVID. And the idea was that people would drink after their, after work and they would gather and, and, and they would wanted to avoid that. Um, there was, um, yeah, there was all the kinds of, 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 of the extended people's visas. So that, so my visa was extended automatically. I didn't have to worry about that. There was all kinds of other precautions that they were taking and, you know, social distancing was a thing everywhere. And it was interesting. It was an interesting experience to be overseas. And so I experienced the first four months of COVID in Thailand. Wow. And so that's, it. talk about cultural change in the way that they, the uh, pandemic was, address, but at least in New York City. Yeah, you were in the New York City area, which, uh, especially for those first couple of months, was the hotspot. Mm -hmm. It's yep. handled pretty well since then. So my, my I guess, you know, just because of, I don't know, like curiosity, what did you do in Thailand for four months during a during a pandemic? Not much of anything? Or? So the first two weeks I was in, in, in my room. I had to stay in my room because I needed to quarantine. Um, the person who came along with me, which is his own story, um, bought me some food and groceries and I cooked mostly at home and once in a while I, so I'm vegan so um, I didn't eat much of the local food except that I bought groceries locally and I cooked them on my own so that was like my version of Thai food or I went to vegan uh, restaurants or so I, I ordered a few times from vegan restaurants that was for the first two weeks um, I literally stayed home just like anybody else in the, in the rest of the world basically um, then 
I had a few days to, I got tested for COVID. Um, I had a few days to, 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 to explore the neighborhood, but I started to be very careful because I didn't want to catch it still. So then I had, and I went to the hospital and I was there for a few days for recovery. And then, so the rest of my time was focused on recovery. Um, so that was what I did mostly. And slowly as I got out of my little bubble, I still, you know, so I, I, I walked around. I, so I went in different places, like different Airbnb, because I couldn't have planned it in advance. I had to change locations every every month or so. So I, I, I didn't go far. I, didn't, I wanted to stay put and, and be relaxed and heal better. So I just, I stayed locally most. I, I didn't get out of the city. I barely, I, a few times I got on the train. Um, it took me like a couple of months till I actually went on the train. Uh, uh, you know, uh, everything else is cheap there. It's very, it's interesting. I got used to wearing masks. Um, I just enjoyed, I just took in the culture. I just took it. I tried to, I wanted to learn the language. I still want to learn the language, Thai language. I learned a few words. I, I was able to recognize, I'm still able to recognize some letters and characters, but um, yeah, mm-hmm. I, I, that was part of it. Yeah. And you have a history of just like getting up and going places anyhow. So uh, for someone like you, it really was, I mean, that idea of just completely changing uh, where you are and, and just figuring out how to go that next step, as you talked about, do mm-hmm. the next right thing, which it, whether the next right thing is go take a walk or go make yourself dinner. That's something you seem to be very much on top of. Yeah, I, 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 I have, I'm, I'm an interesting mixture of spontaneity and, and, and long-term planning. I, I have like some parts of me, I need to know the plan exactly. You know, I'm going to be on, on, on this podcast. I need to know what we're going to talk about. I need to know like what to plan, what to say. And then on the spot, I can say whatever comes out. So I have like a mixture of that. I have traveled, it's, you know, it's, Thailand is not the first country outside of Israel or New York or the United States that I've traveled to. So I do have some experience with that. And I do speak multiple languages. So I, I do have like a, a sense, or if you will, or, or love for languages. I'm fascinated by languages, which is why I studied linguistics in undergrad. But yeah, and I'm a translator and also a trans now. I got that joke. Put the trans and translator, it's Penny Gold, I, ladies and gentlemen. I do, I do. Well, I, I really appreciate you taking the time to talk to us, Penny. Uh, it's great being the only, not the only Penny around. You know, it's like that lonely Penny now. So now we can say we now we can say this is our two cents. Yeah, we put our two cents in this show. It's been really good. Thank you very much for being on Transformation Thursday. So it, wait, so that that's it. So that's that's it. it. I thought I only started. Oh. <laughs> okay. It's only getting started. You can you continue with talking. We're going to leave now. <laughs> That's funny. Amy, Penny, thank you so much for your time. Thank you. All right. Yeah, it's no, thanks for sharing. It was nice meeting you. And, uh, you know, uh, your story is, is, I appreciate you sharing and being so willing to talk about your life with us. Thank you. No problem. Good luck. Have a nice night. You too. You too. Take care. Bye-bye now. Bye-bye. To financially support Transformation Thursday, go to transformationthursday.com and that will bring you to our Patreon page. Once there, click on the Become a Patron button. You can also follow us online on Facebook. You can follow us by searching for Transformation Thursday Podcast. And please join our private Facebook group by searching Transformation Thursday on Facebook. On Twitter and Instagram, you can follow us at TransThursPod. To make sure you stay up to date with all the latest episodes, please subscribe to the Transformation Thursday Podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Google 
Podcast or wherever you get your podcasts. On Apple Podcasts, please leave us a five-star rating and a short review. It's free and it does help get Transformation Thursday out to a larger audience. Finally, Transformation Thursday is copyrighted material. All rights reserved 2020. Welcome back to Transformation Thursday. I am Penny Amy Stevens and my pronouns are she, her. And my name is Amy Sterling and I am... I'm the only Amy in this particular conversation because, no, I'm the only Penny in this particular conversation. We have too many names bopping around here because, uh, you know, Penny Gold has, uh, you know, is no longer with us. I mean, she's still alive. It's just that something drastically happened since we dropped her off the Zoom. Gosh, I hope not, because she was such a fascinating and such a fascinating story. Uh, I mean, she's got like five stories going on that are all just amazing. Her, her fight for authenticity, her desire to actually educate herself. There's so much going on there. It was hard to get it in in one hour. Yeah. And I think just for that reason alone, I think we need to um, offer her an, an invitation to return to this fine little podcast we have. Yeah. This is the, the bad penny returns or something <laughs> like that. I don't know. I, I, I think if we do, we should like just get all of the penny puns out at the beginning and talk about some serious, because she's, well, she's a lot of fun, first off, but she's well-spoken. Um, the thing that got me was just her desire to learn her, and, and her desire to, like, screw you, I'm going to do this no matter what anybody says. That, that fearlessness that she has is really fascinating to me, and it, it's, it's, it's inspiring in a lot of ways. Yeah, and that fearlessness, you know, we, we talk a lot about our gender identities and how binary we are. I really appreciated her coming on and talking about you know, her life as a non-binary trans woman. And what I really appreciate that is because I've seen this is that gender is a spectrum. And even though I'm on, you and I are on one end of the spectrum right now, that she's in a different spot. And, and I honor and respect her life journey. And this, you know, there's so many things going on in my life right now, but this is one thing that I keep coming back to. You know, the other night I was talking with a friend and I said, oh, I think we're on the same page. She's like, no, we can't be on the same page ever. And I said, well, why is that? She's like, well, because I'm a book, you're a book, we're two different books. We don't have the same pages. And I'm like, whoa, that is, but yet, we can have similar words, we can have similar feelings, we can have similar experiences, but they're never the same words, the same feelings, and the same experiences. Those are unique and individualized to ourselves. And that's been a theme of this podcast from episode one. There's no one way to do transgender. There's no one way to do cisgender. There's no one way for an individual or anybody else to lead. Everything is cross-cultural, and that's just what I walk away from. Um, Penny Golds. Yeah, yeah. Um, across several cultures. Yeah. I mean, and her so, time in Israel, her time in Brooklyn, uh, her time, and, and, and her, her fearlessness to say, okay, this isn't working. What am I going to do next? And even when it's as scary as going to another, her story about going to Thailand and having to stay there and her just like, okay, I, I want to stay here, not because it's better for me. It, it's not because I want to, but because it's better for me to stay here. That, that just so-ness of her life. It's, it's fascinating. We got to get, we got to get her back on again. And totally also, agree. by the way, I'm, I'm, I'm not a book. I'm saving myself for the movie. 
<laughs> but the books are always better. <laughs> always. Okay, well, it, we've got so much to do and so many things to say, and we've got so many other shows coming up here. I think it's about time for us to get out of here today, though. Thank you very much for uh, this podcast adventure with me, Amy. It's always been a lot of fun. Yep, Penny, it's always it's always a great experience, and I look forward to continuing more um, Penny magic. Yeah, and Amy magic, too. But for now, good night, Amy. Good night, Penny. Good night.